Welcome to the Strides with Gray Wolf podcast with your host, Nate Reich. This podcast was created to share athlete stories on their road to the 2020 Paralympic and Olympic Games with the hope of motivating and inspiring the next generations of athletes. Throughout this podcast, we will discuss topics such as adversity, success, mindset, the peaks and valleys of sport, plus much more. Welcome back or welcome to the Strides of Gravel podcast. I am your host, Nate Reich. You are here because you believe disability is an inability. This podcast was created to tell Olympic and Paralympic athlete stories on the road to Tokyo and beyond. For our first episode of season three, we have David Johnson on the podcast. David is a Paralympic athlete on the track and specializes in the 400 meters in the visually impaired category. He was a member of the Team Canada at 2019 Parapan Am Games, which was held in Lima, Peru. Yet track and field is a significant role in his life. It does not define him. He's a public speaker, visually impaired advocate, role model, and TikToker who doesn't allow his circumstances to define him. One quote that has been a theme in his life is life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you deal with it. Without further ado, welcome my teammate, David Johnson, to the Strides with Grey Wolf podcast. What's up, homie? Good afternoon. Um, I don't know why it took 18 episodes to get me on here. I am hyped up, though, that I am the, the season opener. At yeah, it, man. You know, there pandemic, there's a lot of problems and, you know, you are a problem. So uh, I had to make sure I waited to the to the to the next year to to get you on. But it's good to have you on, my man. Yeah, thanks for having me, buddy. So first off, the most important question. Mm-hmm. So you're a talented artist and uh, Save On Foods. You've just created some masterpieces. So have you won any of these actual uh, coloring contests or what? Okay, so how it's I would I went to Save On Foods around Halloween uh, with my roommate, and I'm I'm always trying to come up with new content for social media stuff. And then I saw like a little coloring uh, contest thing, and I was like, "Okay, like blind people coloring, boom, they go together like peanut butter and jam, right?" So I took it home, and I started coloring. I put in all the effort, hours and hours. Um, I didn't have any pencil crowns or anything because. Like what kind of blind person has pencil crowns, right? So I, I used the highlighter. Um, and then I was going to enter in, but I didn't want to like take it away from some kid, some like little kid who actually like deserves to win, not me. So I didn't enter any of them in, but I just have them like on my shelf here. So, hey, maybe I could, I'll sign one and give it to you. You hang oh, Perfect, perfect. Yeah. I would finally have something of worth hanging in my room. So I, yeah. I really, really I appreciate that. So on this podcast, a lot of times we start with the origin story because I think it sets a foundation and gives the listeners a little insight on where you started. So how did you get into track and field and what were your earliest visions on what the sport would bring for you? Yeah, so how I got into track was growing up, I, I was a sporty guy. Like I played baseball, soccer, hockey, football, I pretty much played every sport. And I always loved uh, like everything about sport, like hanging out with the teammates and just like trying really hard and going to uh, like the restaurant or whatever. I don't know if you ever did any of this, but my hockey team would always go to the restaurant and uh, after a game or whatever, you get pancakes and then we would have a empty glass and we would just mix this condiments into a glass and then we would all have have to try and take a step after just things like that like funny things like that i love doing and um so yeah with my visual impairment uh my vision gets worse over time i have tunnel vision so 
when I was younger, my vision was kind of like looking through toilet paper rolls. I didn't have any peripheral vision. And then over time, it essentially pretty much shrinks. So now my vision's like looking through two drinking straws, kind of the ones you get at McDonald's kind of thing. And um, so as you can imagine, playing football or playing hockey or soccer or baseball, it got hard for me to see the ball or the puck on the ice um, with just looking through a tiny pinhole. So I would run into people all the time and it, and it wasn't, uh, wasn't the best thing, but growing up, like I always, cause every kid kind of dreams like, Oh, I want to go to the NBA or I want to go to the NHL or, or whatever it is um, when you're playing sports. But for me, I always had like in the back of my mind, Oh, I can never be a professional athlete because I have a disability. Like I can't, I can't do that. Like, it's just impossible. Like no way I can compete with Sidney Crosby or LeBron James because they have eyesight kind of thing. Um, so I guess I kind of always had that like dark cloud looming over me. And um, then when I was 16, I heard about track and field and was like, oh, like this is like a serious sport for people with disabilities. And there's like something called the Paralympics. Like up until that point in my life, I never heard of the Paralympics. Like I didn't know that that was a thing. And then it was like, oh, like if you do well enough, you can start getting paid and you can start traveling the world and doing all these things. And I was like, oh, that's, that's pretty cool. So then kind of when I was 16, 17, I was getting into it a little more and, and training harder and then slowly and slowly took it more seriously. And then now training six days a week with you, it's a dream. Yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's super interesting because obviously we have a disability, but mm. I think a lot of the times the disability is more the disability that people put on us, the, the limits or the cap that we can't do this and do that. And so how was that gro uh, growing up? Did your doctors ever say like, you can't play sports or you shouldn't play sports? Cause from my experience, they told me like, don't even try. Cause you just won't be able to do it competitively. And so what was that experience like for you? I don't know if the doctors ever said like, don't do sports or everything like that, but it was definitely more like, Oh, take it easy. Um, kind of thing. And that's a, I think a big thing with people who have disabilities they struggle with is like, um, cause a lot, I think a lot of parents can kind of be like the, the helicopter parents when they find out their kid can't see, or their kid is missing a limb or whatever, which totally makes sense because when you're a dad or you're a mom, you want to do everything you can to protect your child and make sure they're loved and cared about and everything. But sometimes like, maybe that's not always like the best thing. And I think that's one thing my parents did pretty well. Like it was never like, Oh, like here, let me tie your shoes for you. It's like, no, like your hands still work, like tie your own shoes <laughs> kind of thing. And, uh, or whatever it was. And I guess a big thing that was put on me, like through pressure of other people was, um, like you were saying earlier is to like act a certain way. People would always be like, Oh, you had, since you you're blind, you have to be this certain stereotype of wearing sunglasses and, uh, have a stick and a guide dog and things like that. Kind of like the picture, I guess, like the media and Hollywood portray, which isn't always like the best, most accurate picture. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, I think, I think Paralympic athletes, like adversity is just a thing that we deal with. And in 2017, uh, for my research, you, ha you got diagnosed with uh, diabetes. Um, and how did you use your prior experience with adversity to shape the way you approached your new reality during that time? Yeah, so 2017, 
I was training. Um, I was getting ready to go to uh, the Para World Juniors in Switzerland. So I was training really hard and trying to get everything in order. And um, then I, I found out I, I made the team and everything was good. I was supposed to travel. And then right before we were supposed to leave, I found out that I had uh, type 1 diabetes. And it kind of came out of nowhere. No one in my family has it or anything. Um, and then it resulted in me not being able to go and compete on a world stage, which was definitely like it's it's a hard pill to swallow. You know, you've been working really hard and putting the hours in and then just like that, it's like it's taken away. Um, so that, that was definitely um, – really tough but i guess for me of having the big mindset i guess i bring to myself and i try and get, uh, teach other people too is um like certain adversities certain things come in your life and they really do suck like being blind or whatever it is um but i can't change it so why don't i take the next steps and move on and then i applied that to uh being visually impaired and not making the team in this scenario and i apply it to other things that happen in my life all the time yeah no it's not necessarily funny isn't the right the right word but sometimes your biggest adversity your biggest failures can sometimes set you up for your biz your biggest successes um what did you learn not going to world champs in 2017 but then in return making that 2019 para pan am game and you finally get this opportunity to really show what you've been been working on for the past two years yeah i guess just like it take yeah, like it takes a setback and then maybe like a reset, like takes you off your your high horse or whatever, and you just gotta get you gotta get back to work. And you're like, oh, like I'm really not all that it. I'm not invincible or whatever. Like I, I can still get taken down by diabetes or or whatever it is. So I think um, for me, like just to like put like my hood up and like just like keep grinding. I guess it was like a good wake up call and things like that. Yeah, no. And so what was your 2019 experience like at Pan Am's? I think sometimes you go into meets and you have this expectation of what the experience is going to be like or what the result is going to be like. And sometimes it's polar opposite of what it, of what you actually think it is. And sometimes it's almost the exact same. So what was your experience like at the 29 Pan Am Games? I guess like expectation wise, I guess like everyone goes into – a championship um thinking they can win someone someone told me one time like if you're in a race or um whatever you're doing and you don't think you can win then like why are you why are you racing like what's what's the point um and i think like i i truly live by that and even like though like maybe if i take a step back and like crunch the numbers it's like okay like you're you're probably not gonna win but if you if you're thinking like that you're you're definitely not gonna win kind of thing um you never know what can happen out there and I guess like expectation wise for para Pan Ams, I don't really know what I was expecting too much, but it was, it was definitely pretty cool um, to see like the whole like village experience. And like, it really is like a village, like with the barber shop and things like that. I was, I, I was, I like getting cleaned up before my race, you know, they shaving me up, getting, giving me a fresh cut. I liked it. I liked it all. And the food, the food was, food was pretty good. All you can eat. And you know me, I'm a big guy. I like to eat oh david we know we yeah. know believe me yeah no i think it was it was a really cool opportunity it's i even felt like 
um pan ams was even a cooler experience than the world than the world championships which is kind of crazy to say but i just think there's something so much with that community and i think us paralympic athletes we love to dig dig into each other banter each other about our disabilities or how slow we ran or how fast we ran um and so i just think that environment makes for such such a fun time yeah no totally i think like the the para chirps or whatever they're definitely like I don't know about for you, but for me, like I never, I never grew up with like anyone with a disability or anything. Like I was, I was just like the blind kid and then everyone else was just like normal or, or whatever. They didn't have a disability. So when I first started like traveling and going on, um, these like para trips and things like that, it was that, that was like the first time I felt like I could be myself, you know what I mean? And then you, you know how it is like, everyone's making fun like, Oh, haha, you can't like, you can't walk or, ah, whatever it is. Yeah, no, it's it's always it's always so funny. I always get the like, oh, you better watch out. I know exactly where to hit you with the golf ball. And I'm like, ha ha ha, you're real, real, real funny. Uh, yeah. No, it's all it's all fun and games. And I think, you know, you and I kind of came in the Paralympic scene a little bit later, me drastically later than uh, than you did. But I think there's we're still really trying to patch things together with the Paralympic movement. There's, there's things that are amazing, but there's also things that we need to evolve and really work on. What are, what's one or two things that you would like to see either change or evolve, you know, over the next five or 10 years? I think the biggest thing would be like, for me coming in, I didn't like, I, like I was saying, I didn't realize the Paralympics or anything was a thing until I was like 16 or 17 or whatever, however old I was. Um, so I feel like education is, uh, is a big piece. Um, just because I know a lot of other people who are visually impaired or whatever, like who the same thing, like they didn't, they didn't know that that was an option. Um, I think a lot in the disability community, it kind of goes to, Oh, like let's do arts and crafts or, whatever it is, like something where you can't get hurt or things like that. And the serious kind of sport or serious activity, whatever it is, is kind of like a little more pushed away when it, it shouldn't be. Yeah. And I don't know if you feel the same way, but like, I don't think you need to be a high performance athlete, but I just think sport teaches you so many lessons. And like Kobe Bryant said, it's the greatest metaphor for life. And I think like, if we take that away from kids or athletes you know i i think we're really doing a disservice and so i think the paralympics has done a good job but yeah i th i th i think um i don't know if you have you ever felt this like sometimes with sponsors and things like that like because yours isn't always glaring like sometimes if if me you and greg were walking down like they probably wouldn't know you and i have a disability unless you have your stick uh, yeah. out and so how have you navigated that almost um yeah it almost being invisible at times yeah definitely like it's but yeah with the sponsorship thing like it's a hard piece because um people like for ads or whatever they they always want like um the attractive person or things like that or and stuff like that when it's kind of like yeah like i don't look like quote unquote blind like i can i can make my eyes go like this i don't know if you can see that yeah you do my do my weird eye thing and then i look i look a little more blind and um yeah so i'll walk down the street or whatever and pretty much no one would like would ever notice me to be visually impaired like they would just never guess as unless i'm holding my cane um just because like i don't have a guide dog or i don't have 
dark sunglasses. And then I run into problems all the time with um, people not believing me. Like if I run into someone or something like that and I don't my cane and I'm like, oh, sorry, like I'm blind. They're like, what? Shut up. Like, what are you talking about? Like I got a store. I was working out at uh, Carsa at UVic a couple years ago and um, it, it was nighttime and it's, it's harder for me to see when it's uh, when it's dark out. So I was, the gym's like kind of dimly lit and I'm, I'm on the squat rack doing some squats and I, I'm a big guy, you know, so I got to find another 45 to load up my bar. So I'm, I'm looking for the 45 and oh, I found, I found one. So I go, I pick up the 45 and put it on my bar and I'm ready to squat. And then I'm like, wait, that something just seemed a little off. Um, so I looked to my right and there was this big, huge guy bigger than me. And, uh, he was like, he was staring at me. He was like super mad. And so what I did but I didn't know because I'm blind is I took my plate or, or his plate off the bar and put it on mine. So he was just about to go down and squat and he had no idea. And instead of me being like, Oh, Hey, I'm visually impaired, blah, 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 blah. People never believe me when I say that. So I go up to him, I put my arm around. I'm like, buddy, like just so just between me and you right now, like I smoked a lot of weed. I am super high. Like, I have no idea what's happening right now. I am so sorry. And the guy was such a bro about it. He was like, yo, that's all good, bro. Don't worry about it. And we just went on. But I think it would have been so different if I was like, oh, I'm I'm blind. He would have been like, haha, yeah, shut up. Like, no, you're not. Like, what? It made more sense for him that, like, I was on drugs than I was blind, which is crazy. Yeah, no, I mean, it's 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 such a just I think it's different for a lot of us because a lot of us competed, you know, able body sport growing up. And it's just like a completely different kind of transition. Uh, and now you were like we said, you're a part of uh, the Vic City Elite team. Um, how has that transition been? Because I, I feel that, you know, changing coaches pretty close to a Paralympic year, I'm sure is tough. There's, you know lots of pauses, but I'm sure there's some negatives that come along with that, especially mentally. So how has that experience been so far and uh, how have you been enjoying it? Yeah, it's been, it's been pretty good uh, with my old coach. Um, it was just time to change. I, it was hard for me because I worked with them for pro over four years, I guess. So a long time. And he was kind of the one that uh, like brought me up and like, I really like wasn't an athlete before or anything like he taught me everything over the last few years and stuff like that. So that's why it was really hard for me to switch. Cause like, this is kind of like, this is like my day one, like we're going to go to the Paralympics together. We're going to get the bag together. We're going to do all this stuff. Um, when it started to appear that maybe it's not, um, looking like that, maybe it's not my, my best option. And I think for me, I had to separate, um the side of track and and look at it from a business standpoint and then put my feelings and uh other things on another side and if i looked at it with just purely track and business and what i need to be successful it was a clear change to come and train with vic city elite and it would be a lot better so i made that decision in i guess april ish 2020 and yeah ever since training there it's been it's been really good i like it a lot um it's a lot better like training environment a lot more high performance and things like that and it it's good yeah man and shoot we're about eight nine months out from the para from the para paralympics and we're in the middle of a pandemic which is uh a bit weird i feel like at times um yeah. what allows you to stay focused on that daily task and what is your end goal uh at the end of 2021 20, like what do you want to accomplish
Yeah, I guess what helps me stay focused is keeping, I think, like keeping a routine um, as much as you can during uh, during this time is like the number one, because like I'm sure uh, pretty much everyone's done like I've binged some Netflix shows at the at the start of the pandemic and stuff like that, just because like it's like, oh, like I'll get up at 2 p.m. today and go to bed at 4 a.m. Like it's kind of the same, like I can't go outside. Um, but then I think slowly getting into a routine of, okay, I'm just going to, uh, maintain my normal routine and try and stay through it definitely helps me a lot. And I guess goals going into, uh, the end of this year would be for me, my, my big goal on the track is I want to run a 49 second 400. And I don't like, I don't care if I do that, like, um, at Pisces, uh, or if I do it at Tokyo, to me, it's, it's the same thing. Um, and that's like, that's all I really want to do on the track wise, I guess off the track wise. Um, I want to start getting into some more, uh, public speaking kind of things. Cause that kind of got put on hold with not being able to travel and things like that. And, uh, hopefully grow my social media a little more and start, uh, putting out some more videos and content and things like that. Cause everyone seems to, uh, really enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. And with that RBC, I know you're doing a lot of public speaking with them. Do you have to renew that for 2021 or how does that work? Uh, yeah, so I would started with RBC in 2019 and then I was on a contract for two years. Um, I'm hoping, yeah, I can uh, renew it and uh, go for another few years because, yeah, I really like working with RBC. It's been really good. And I think for me, it, it's been exceptionally good because I never really got to be in the professional uh, job environment growing up. Like I worked in a grocery store and I, I worked at like a restaurant, things like that, like low level kind of not the best jobs, but to like work um, with like a bank and like see like how like a real career kind of goes, I think is, uh, is huge. Yeah, no, for sure. And then let's talk about TikTok. You've you're a big TikToker <laughs> these days, and it's it's really cool how you've kind of put comedy, disability, and just like you being you, kind of all in one. And why did you choose TikTok to kind of uh, be the platform of choice? I guess because it was like I I think I downloaded it in like January ish, um, but I didn't really like I was just like looking at videos and stuff, and then. Um, once like the pandemic started picking up in March, April, I was like, okay, like I got nothing to do. I might as well uh, start making some videos and stuff like that. So I started just making like funny uh, blind kind of videos and then slowly it started to pick up and people started to really like them. And now it's got into where it is, uh, where it is now, which is, uh, it's pretty crazy to think about. Like I pretty much started this like eight, eight, ten months ago and I've, gain like such a big following and things like that and people really like it which is uh it's pretty crazy yeah no for sure and i got some uh got some fun questions from our boy uh dylan oh of um, course yeah um he said how many times a day do you trip down the stairs because you can't see <laughs> <laughs> oh, dylan 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 dylan's a funny guy <laughs> dylan's a funny kid oh well, lucky for lucky for uh, lucky for me, my condo. I have an elevator, uh, so I take the elevator. My roommate actually got stuck in the elevator. I haven't, I haven't, uh, I haven't done that yet. Um, but he he's a big stair guy now. But he has eyesight, so he's not he's not tripping down them. So I would I would go maybe like once once a week. 
once a week. Awesome. And I hear that one of your party tricks is to use your cane as a pool cue. Um, how how does that work uh, actually playing pool? Are you, are you are you pretty pretty effective with that? Yeah, so actually how I got on pool was uh, I was at a training camp in Florida with uh, with Zach, Dylan, and uh, a bunch of the other para crew. And uh, we would work out at like 8 a.m. or whatever. And then um, we would have another workout in the evening. So in between, our, our house had a pool table. And I never played much pool, so we'd pretty much just play like five hours every day. And um, – Dylan and I were uh, the worst ones there, so we would always battle it out for uh, to see who's the worst, and it got pretty intense. And then, uh, yeah, when Dylan and I go out in Toronto, we uh, use my cane as a pool cue. It's uh, it's not the most efficient tool, uh, <laughs> but people, it gets people's attention. People start like looking around, like, "What is this guy doing?" So that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. What's the most creative uh, cane you've used? Uh, object for a cane most creative i've used a hockey stick i feel like that's not that creative um but when you're in a pinch you you got to use something you got to use something I feel, I feel like david with a with the hockey stick it's a bit dangerous i feel like <laughs> i feel like oh you I'm better you right. better when, watch when, out when are you gonna go on the ice me and you go on the ice um yeah it's been a minute man i grew up playing hockey actually um because my grandpa played in nhl so uh he had like his own hockey camp every summer so i would play a lot and i was not good i am absolutely horrible um they put me in goalie for a reason Mm. um because we would do drills and i would literally just pretty much be sliding across the ice the entire time I'm on my chest because I'm just horrible. Um, yeah, and I think my grandpa was a bit ashamed. He was like, seriously, man? Like, you are – like, I played NHL for 12 years. I scored 10 points in one game, three goals in, Jeez. like, 21 seconds, and you can barely skate. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no. Uh, I think we'll have to talk Heather and Jeff on, on, on that one because uh, that could be funny. Um, but also I'd probably get hurt. You wouldn't, but I probably would. <laughs> we need, bro, we need content. Me and you, oh, oh, man. you start up your TikTok. Oh man. Uh, I don't know about that. I'm not as fun <laughs> as you are, man. Um, and so now we have some fun rapid fire, unless you have some funny banter for me, then, um, throw it my way. But, um, oh, I don't think so. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. All right. Um, so first off, uh, if your life was a movie, what would be the title? Wait, so rapid fire i just i just line send yeah. it out yeah just send it i feel like the blind side that's classic movie nothing to do with being blind about football but you know you, you can take it either way absolutely dream destination i always want to go to fiji i don't know why ever since i was like a kid awesome sounds mm-hmm. like fun yeah. favorite place you've favorite place you've traveled to I really like uh, Grenada. I've been to a couple of training camps there. It's it's really nice. The Caribbean, yeah, definitely my favorite. Oh man, favorite TikTok video you've made? Favorite TikTok, uh, probably one of the the grocery store ones I make. I think those are pretty funny. Yeah, I I, I watched the one when you're trying to figure out the peppers and you and you had the basket and you said it took you forever <laughs> to find them. That yeah. was pretty funny. 
Um, and you know, TikTok is quite funny for the comments that, uh, that, that your followers put on it. What is one of the funniest comments that a follower has put? I feel like a lot of the funny ones aren't like the most appropriate, uh, things. Like, I feel like I, I do get, um, a little sexually harassed on TikTok, <laughs> but, uh, that's all right. I don't know. I, someone someone did say uh it was one of my coloring ones the other day and they were like plot twist you're coloring on your adoption papers and i was like that's that's pretty funny <laughs> the, the stuff people say always cracks me up i always like like logging on and reading some of the comments oh man that that is awesome uh so i have two final questions it's yeah. i asked these two questions to all all my guests first where can people find you on social media what's your handles uh, yeah, at Blind Hipster Dave, uh, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, it's it's all the same. Sweet. And uh, finally, what do you want your impact to be on the world? My impact on the world? I guess um, to be to be a role model, I guess, for pe people with disabilities to be able to for people to look up to me and see me on social media or see me or whatever and be like, Hey, like that kid's, uh, that kid's blind. And he just acts like everyone else. He's just like a normal person. He does his own thing. And, uh, he seems to really like it. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts and subscribe so you get notified when the new podcasts get released. That's it from us here at the Strides with Grey Wolf podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Strides with Grey Wolf. Follow your host's journey to the Paralympics at Nate Grey Wolf. Remember, disability isn't inability.